Sports, day drinking with Don and Dustin. I'm Don. And I'm Dustin. We're coming to you from Lubbock, Texas. And London, England. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome everybody to D4 Sports, episode number six, Moneyball. That's what our title is this time, Moneyball. Talking about money in sports and the impact that money has had on sports in the last generation or so. Uh, today is September the 5th, 2023. Uh, I am Don and with me is Dustin. Say hello to the people, Dustin. Hello and thanks for listening. Yeah, with today's episode in the Moneyball, it's just crazy how everything has escalated. Yeah, no, that's something, you know, we're going to explore this. It's it's pretty wild. I mean, you you know, in our modern world, you just sort of take take for granted that professional athletes are millionaires. Hasn't always been that way. No, it hasn't. Fairly recent, actually. Yeah, and the changes that brings to the game. So, uh, yeah, so that's what we're going to dive into. Ultimately, that'll be kind of the, the, the main meat of the week. But uh, we'll start it off like we did last week with uh, some shots. Taking shots to start because nothing starts a good day like taking a few shots. Uh, wake in fact, you up I in myself, the well, yeah, wake yourself up in the morning. But, you know, like in the spirit of our show, I mean, I was just down in the pub. And here in the UK, we're recording this. It's about five o'clock my time, you know. Hot day, a little heat dome going on over the UK, down the pub, had a couple of couple of beers to kind of end the work day, getting ready to go. Dustin, what are you drinking right now? Uh, again, flavored water. Nothing like mm. it. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just <laughs> drinking straight water now, you know, for the show. You've got to be straight on the show, right? That's right. Absolutely. Well, let's just say it's clear liquid. <laughs> Understood. But it's a pint glass, so if it were anything other than water... By the end of this episode, nobody would understand a thing. I else. may be taking over fully. <laughs> That's right. You're taking away, Dustin. Uh, anyway. All right. So, opening shots. Dustin, give me your best shot for this week. One story that I really like kind of to, to start this show off is going to the Clemson-Duke football game. Mm, mm-hmm. And the story I have is not necessarily from the game itself. The story I have is Riley Leonard is the starting quarterback for Duke. He mm-hmm. had a, an okay game, 17 to 33 for 175 yards, 98 rushing yards for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Not terrible. Uh, ended up beating the number nine, Clemson. But the story I have is before every game, Riley Leonard has his mom send him a text message. And in that text message before the game that he gets from his mom, it says two words. You suck. <laughs> and the reason he has his mom send him a text that says you suck. Love you, mom. Is just to keep his ego in check. All and right. he actually has like a wristband that says you suck on it. So, <laughs> well, I mean, he's, he's kind of just throwing it out there. I... I, I can't say I've heard that strategy before. That's, no, that's um, definitely a new one. That's an interesting approach. That's an interesting approach. It is. Yeah, so uh, Clemson, huh? Uh, great start to that here season. Yeah, Dabo uh, going into 
Going into Duke and laying an egg. Not quite an egg. They scored seven, but, I mean, it was might as well. Yeah, no, that's – come on. I mean, if you just say straight up Duke beats Clemson in the last – well, ever in football that I can think of, right, Um, you'd be like, wow, upset. But certainly in the Dabo Swinney area era, right? Duke oh, absolutely, because he's kind of and they scored ruled college seven. football, him and Saban. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in the last decade, absolutely, right? Right. Yeah, I, I'm going to get into him a little bit more a little bit later because, uh, well, we're, you know, we're talking about money in sports, and obviously in college football, the name, image, and license, uh, you know, the, the change that has happened since 2021 has been pretty interesting, and uh, good old Mr. Swinney has been quite outspoken about the whole name, image, and license approach and what he would call professionalism in college football. And yet, Clemson, <sighs> well, I- I'm going to save it because I-, I don't want to give it away. But let's just say Clemson might be cutting edge uh, when it comes to helping their players capitalize on name, image, and license. But uh, yeah, so that's a interesting start. And I was, you know, I was, I, I couldn't help. I mean, college football started this week. So I had a few games, you know, I needed to highlight, you know, Texas State. Hello, Texas State over Baylor. Right. Right. Now I know Baylor uh, wasn't expected to do great this year, but Texas State. That's, right. Powerhouse. That's tough. Yeah. Right. Colorado over TCU. That was, you know, I mean, prime time making his primetime appearance, you know, his son who, you know, we'll see what he turns out to be in the long run, but certainly had a pretty spectacular game in his first start. Well, how about uh, Travis Hunter? I mean, yeah, played yeah. offense and defense and played about 120 snaps. And we're not just talking about just kind of roaming around out there. He's running no. routes. He's yep. interceptions. I mean, he, he had a good game. He's playing like a high schooler. That's right. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. It's a, and I know obviously that the difference between playing high school football and college football is night and day. But you know, the best players in high school always play both ways and rarely come off the field. You know, right. and it's only when you get to college that you know you can't possibly do that. But here we have a uh, an exception. And we'll see how long he can do that and, and stay healthy. Right? I mean, that's just that's a lot of wear and tear on the body. And you would think at that level, that speed, that power that yeah going that long it's gonna do something it, it has to i mean there's a reason people don't play 120 snaps a week uh in big time football right oh, oh right. one other game uh wyoming yeah comes up wyoming. Big over texas tech huh they showed up for the last three quarters and two overtimes where tech just showed up for the first quarter yeah 17 nothing 17 three and then they, they didn't want to play the rest of the game. No. Sorry, man. That's all right. We got Oregon this week, which should be just about as fun because they dropped 81. Yeah. No, that was that was another one I had. I had 81 to 7 over, you know, perpetual powerhouse Portland State. Portland um, State. Portland State was always, almost always, one of the uh, preseason or early season, you know, out-of-conference matchups that Cal used to play. Cal used to play them a lot, but then, oh, oh, did I just say Cal? I sure did. Clear contender after this week, winning 58 to 21 over North Texas. That's right. North Texas University. So nice. 
Wow. Yeah. Well, I can t- just see them really kind of just being at the top of the Pac-12 for the next decade, right? Oh, uh-huh. sorry. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ACC, baby. We're coming for you, Clemson. <laughs> We're coming for you, Clemson. That, that's not even like a threat anymore. Cal and Clemson, no. there you go. Yeah. That's a, the classic matchup that nobody ever asked for. That's right. That Atlantic Conference, you know, going to California. Yeah. But but actually, I, I had a bigger point on just than, than just beyond college football scores because the transfer portal, right, and the the change to the rules of the transfer portal, in my opinion, might be the single greatest game changer that we're going to see in college football. And a couple of stats. And Colorado, of course, was well known. Colorado has 87 new players this year, right? Which is all the reason that everybody said, oh, Deion Sanders can't possibly win at Colorado. No chance. No way he's going to be able to win with that kind of team. Texas State, Dustin, guess how many Texas State had in their, how many new players did Texas State have this year? 12. 71. Oh. 71 new, 71, including quarterbacks from LSU and, or, and Auburn and from Arkansas. Wyoming, their quarterback. Where did he play last year? Utah State. Utah State, not exactly a powerhouse, but he was a transfer in. Florida State. Florida State got the big win over LSU, right? Huge. Their main, their main playmaker, Coleman. I remember his first name. I just wrote out his last name, Coleman. Where did he come from? Not sure. Michigan State. Hmm. Mm-hmm. New player from Michigan State. The point being, in years past, and 2021, right, is the first year of the, of the portal where players could transfer and not have to sit out a year, right? Because it used to be you could transfer, but that transfer would cost you a year of eligibility, which for any sort of big-time players or people with real aspirations was way too big a price to pay, right? So generally didn't do that. All of a sudden now we have players who might be, you know, the third quarterback at Alabama or LSU or Oklahoma State or Oklahoma who might be real, you know, three-star, four-star, probably not five-star recruits if they're third, third string, but you never know. They see the writing on the wall. I'm not going to get any playing time. So what am I going to do? I'm going to transfer someplace where I can play. It might be Wyoming. It might be Texas State. It might be who knows. But all of a sudden now you got players who are jumping ship, going to a new program, getting new life. I, I don't know. What do you think, Dustin? I mean, do you, are, are we gonna are we gonna see a big change? And and just one more for instance, Clemson. Guess how many new players they had from the transfer portal? Yeah, it's not gonna be as big. One. Um, yeah, I One. I was kind of listening to some sports talk radio today, and they were talking about how Dabo really hasn't jumped in with this transfer portal mm-hmm. stuff, and how Colorado. Mm-hmm really has and that's just taking yep. two different programs right yeah and and how you see the drastic difference in what they did this weekend and, okay. and that's not to say that Dion's gonna have his team go out and right win every yeah. game and do all that but at the same time it just shows that the transfer portal is is huge and you have mm-hmm. to capitalize on that or you may be left in the dust and and I think part of it is yeah you want to go play somewhere else where you get playing time but I mean as as a player, I didn't get the chance to do that or I didn't try to do that, but I could mm-hmm. very much see the lure or 
or the uh, possibility of, hey, can I go do this somewhere else? But not just somewhere else, but, you know, can I go to Miami? Can I go to Tallahassee? Mm-hmm. Can I go to mm-hmm. somewhere nice um, right. and enjoy it and enjoy the college life that that brings versus mm-hmm. being in Lansing or being oh, in uh, Lubbock or whatever. <gasps> I know it's crazy. Yeah. But there is that, that idea that, and I don't want to say every athlete, but most athletes are uber competitive and it's mm-hmm. like, I've done it here or I've tried it here. Mm-hmm. How well can I do it somewhere else on the other side of the country against other players, against another conference? Can I go perform and, and do what I can do over there? So I think that plays a part in it as well. And then, like, we'll get into NIL. Mm-hmm. So you have got the recruiting, the transfers over a couple years ago for basketball itself. Nigel Pack at Kansas State was a great player for Kansas State. Great player in the Big 12. Miami said, hey, come to Miami. We have this sponsor that mm-hmm. can give you some money. And basically took took the deal. I don't want to say took the money like, you know, a pro athlete would do, but that's exactly what he did. And so I think, you know, the NIL is playing a huge factor in transfers as well. No, I, 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 I agree with you. And again, that's something I, you know, want to, we'll kind of explore a little bit later, but I think these two things are really related in, in how they are changing the face of college sports. And because until recently, maybe in 2021, frankly, I would say you were probably better off coming out of high school if you got recruited at Alabama and you were the fifth running back at Alabama. You'd rather be running back number five at Alabama your freshman and sophomore year than lead running back at Texas State. Right? I don't disagree with that. Absolutely. Right. And then, you know, obviously people graduate and you come in and assuming you don't get some stud that comes and displaces you, you move up the death chart. You might only get one year of actual lead back at, at an Alabama, at a Georgia, at an LSU, at an Oklahoma, whatever, but you get that national visibility. And what's interesting is, I mean, it's not like professional scouts haven't been recruiting deep and scouting deep into, you know, your more fringe teams. I don't say fringe, you know, your, your smaller schools, your, your non-top, they certainly have been, but with the proliferation of TV, with every game being televised, with every game being filmed, with every game getting covered anymore. And this all goes, this all ties into the money piece, right? Because it's all TV. That's where the overwhelming majority of the money comes from. You know, you, now you can go play at UT San Antonio because you're, you're going to get coverage. And, you know, you, you, okay, you're not playing a full SEC schedule, but you get to highlight your talents. You get to be out there. And... Now, with the possibility of capitalizing on that with your name, image, and license, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think it, this might really cause bigger chaos in, in college sports than the realignment does. I, I could see that. I think, you know, it's one of those things. So one school says, you know, we'll give you 30000 to come here. Well, we won't give you, but if you do these things for us, right. this company is going to sponsor you, all that, right. whatever that looks like, um, for 30000 And then you have another school that goes, we can give you 125000 It's like, mm-hmm. I'm a college kid. 
Yeah. I don't have any money. I don't work. I don't. Yeah. I'm not able to do those things. And you just offered me almost a hundred thousand dollars more. <laughs> I mean, I'll go play yeah. at a podunk school that and I'm not saying all these colleges are doing that. I mean, the podunk schools can't do what the big schools can, but the big schools mm-hmm. are have more players to kind of mm-hmm. have to work through and everything. And you know that they've yeah. got to staff people that know the intricacies of it and know what could get them in trouble and what can't and how the money gets moved well, around and players get this. and Yeah. And that's the one thing is it's really not regulated yet. I mean, they just passed this and the, it went to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, well, let the states decide. And the states have kind of been like, uh, like right. something like 30 states have a law. 20 states don't even have anything on the books. Although the only explicit thing is you cannot be paid specifically to play. So it has to be something else. You do a summer camp, you do an appearance, right. you're a guest commercial, speaker, radio. commercial, yeah, something, right? But, um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, I can't remember another college football weekend, opening week, and it's opening weekend, so let's be clear on that. But I don't remember another college football opening weekend where three big teams, LSU, Clemson, and TCU, all lost opening weekend. Now, okay, LSU, I'm, I'm getting my games mixed up now, but yeah, LSU loses to Florida State. Okay, not the worst thing, but they, but they lost by, what, 24 points? It was 45-21? Yeah, I, I, I think LSU was actually up at the half, and then the second half came around, and Florida State yeah. just kind of took it to them. Clemson, there's just no excuse, right? And then TCU, I mean, you know, we'll see what Colorado turns out to be, right? I mean, I think if Colorado goes eight and four, I think that'll be great for the program. You know, we'll see. I mean, who knows? Maybe Dion becomes Miracle Man and it carries the whole season. Strikes me that when it really comes to it, they may, they may be a surprise contender, but I don't, I, I'd be surprised if they're 10 and three or whatever at the end of the year, right? Right. But, all right. You got anything else? You got any other shots? I'm good right now. I got one more for you. So U.S. Open update. Two things. What's your take on Iga Swiatek's loss and Carlos Alcaraz's outfit? Alcaraz, uh, I don't know if he's making a statement or what he's trying to do, but he's having fun, right? <laughs> I mean, he's he's played well. You can't you can't deny him that. Swiatek, I really haven't paid much attention to, to be honest with you. I mean, I know nah. she's a she's a great player. She's a good player. I, I and I'm really surprised that she hasn't. Well, although she won the U.S. Open last year, so it's kind of hard to say she's not as good on hard court. But I I can't quite figure it out because I've watched her play and she's got quite a game. But she'll just come out sometimes, just kind of lay an egg, which is play flat. Surprising, yeah. But um, yeah, no, she's she's good to watch. But yeah, Alcaraz, I mean, he's playing great. He's hitting shots like you like you expect Alcaraz to hit, but I guess it doesn't matter what he wears, right? Because I guess not. Because hello, is he sponsored by Nike, right? I think so. So, and I people were saying that's like maybe a tribute. He's at you know the sleeveless look, so he's kind of the, maybe the tribute to Nadal or whatever. But he's right. got some color working. He's got some. Yeah. He's got and some about, stuff going you know, on. Two Americans. You got TFO and Shelton playing against each other. Yeah, Blake Shelton. Who knew? Who knew that he could come out of the con- concert scene and and oh wait, no, different Shelton. Yeah, 
There's Close. three Americans. Actually. Close, yeah. Ben There's Shelton. But I mean, you know, ben whatever. Shelton. It's Blake's yeah. younger brother. <laughs> 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 no, but like, yeah, well, I mean, Djokovic has got the three Americans on his side. And then like Alcaraz actually has a draw that he still has to get through with uh, right. Medvedev and uh, Zverev and stuff. But And Zverev played well last night. I was watching that match and, and yep. he looked like he was getting tired. But I mean, a five set. Then has to go up against Alcaraz, who hasn't really been touched. I mean, he won his no. last match, six three, six three, six four. He dropped one set, I think, but he's he's had a pretty clean sheet so far. So pretty much. Well, and of course, and we'll we'll let the listeners know now. Dustin's going to be celebrating all sorts of stuff next week, and he'll be out. So we're going to have our first guest host, our, our first guest on the show, and I'm not I'm not going to give it away, but you won't be disappointed. Let me say that. But so we're going to have to. Uh, I'm gonna to have to carry the uh, the U.S. Open results on my own, I guess, because I, I you know, I don't know. I'm not gonna. I, I think you'll be able to handle it. I think you got this. Maybe you can text me your take, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. But yeah, I'll get you some information. Still holding out hope that we get the uh, Djokovic Alcaraz final. I think we will. I have a feeling it's gonna happen, and yeah. uh, we'll see what goes down. And the New All York, right. the late late summer in New York. All right. Well, those are your opening shots on Moneyball here on D4 Sports. Before we jump into our Moneyball segment, we do want to provide a quick update on our, our fantasy uh, our fantasy competition and games. Uh, obviously, last week, if you didn't listen, you can hear our whole you know discussion of fantasy sports. But one thing we left out of that is that this year... Dustin and I are in, we're playing English Premier League Fantasy. Aren't we, Dustin? We are. Well, we're attempting. I'll say that. Well, it's respectable. It's, what, is, what is that saying? A blind squirrel finds a nut every now and then yeah, or something yeah. like that? I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's probably about what it is. But, uh, yeah, so, it, I mean, the, the, the story behind this is that I was in my office at work. Uh, a guy was like, oh, join the English Premier League fantasy team. And I'm like, okay, why not? Because I can't name more than four players, but why not? I'll give it a whirl. So I told Dustin, and, and Dustin was like, well, we should do our own. So we created our own league, and he drew a couple friends in who I don't think are even actually paying any attention, since I think one of them still has, Harry, still has Harry Kane on his roster, who is, of course, no longer in the Premier League, but... Uh, anyway, yeah, so update. At this point, I am in first place in both of my leagues. And, you know, we're coming into game week five, and I feel pretty good about that. Uh, mainly, yeah, my boss, yeah. I am more than double the score of my boss. And the way, it, I mean, in, I don't know, a classic soccer fashion, it's like a running total of points throughout the season. It's not like a week-by-week -week thing. So you don't play head-to-head -head against anybody. You just accrue points. So, um but anyway, I am more than double the score of my boss, which makes me feel proud. And I am, what, four points up on you, right, Dustin, at this point? Four points. Four That's points. Right. But we are in first and second place, respectively, in our, in our league. So, uh, yeah, so that's exciting. But th this is the week, uh, you know, with the beginning of the NFL season, as Dustin and I have talked about, our competition against each other. We're getting ready, getting kicked off. Dustin, you got your teams together for this week? I do have my teams ready. Oh, ready all to of go. Them? Um, all of them. Huh. I've got my Thursday through Monday. I've got my Sunday only. I've got my Thursday night primetime. 
or not prime time. Um, yeah, your Thursday night game. Called? Showdown. Showdown. Yeah, yeah. Showdown. There you go. So, well, not all of them because I haven't done, like I said, the prime time and the, you know, afternoon and yeah, yeah, yeah. or morning, but we'll get there. So we've never done this before. So, but give me one, one kind of sleeper pick that guy you're going with this weekend in daily fantasy week Oof. one. What, what one guy that you like that you're playing? <sighs> one and guy I promise, that I like. Well, I may not. I may have what? played him. I don't know. But who you got? You, you pick him. Not. I'm gonna go Travis Etienne for Jacksonville hmm. as okay. somebody that that is gonna have a good game. That's what I'm going. With. They're playing the Colts, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am. I think my big sleeper for the week is uh, Jamal Williams for the Saints. Okay. With Kamara out, he's going to get the ball, and I think they're going to feed him. I think he's going to catch some out of the backfield. I think I think Jamal Williams might be a good play. So, and Very he's good. he's a great value. He's a great value. So, right. Anyway, we'll see how that goes. And the entire well, commanders, right the now. entire commanders lineup. The entire commander's lineup against the Cardinals, also. <laughs> yeah, and they st- uh, coach was like, hey, we're still putting Kyler Murray as our uh, team captain out there. Yeah. Good. Okay. Good. Whatever. Glad he's still on the team. <laughs> Speaking of money. <clears throat> so we wanted to take this time this week to talk just a little bit about money and sports because, I mean, you just can't, you can't get around it. I mean, we, we were even talking about college football and the impact of money on college football, obviously the whole realignment, um, but the, the whole name, image, and license, everything else. But beyond that is just the way that money has changed sports in, in my lifetime, right? And again, this isn't like burning news. I mean, this isn't like, oh, breaking news, athletes are paid a lot of money. <clears throat> but it's really, really remarkable when you get into it and you look into the history of professional sports and professionalism in sports and, and how much the money in sports has changed. And um, I mean, my ultimate favorite story of this whole thing, you know, of, of all these guys is the only person to ever pitch a perfect game in the World Series, Don Larson, 1956 New York Yankees. The guy sold cars in the offseason. He was a used car salesman in the offseason, right? Because Don Larson never made more than $20,000 a year. In 1958, he made $17,000, which in today's terms, you know, granted for inflation, it's 179000 bucks, right? So it's not nothing, right? It's not chump change. But if you were to talk to somebody today and say, oh, professional athlete, he's making $179,000. What would be the response to that, Dustin? He's probably the bullpen catcher. <laughs> I, I, do the bullpen catchers make that little? I honestly don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but that, that just goes to show yeah. what kind of money is really out there for professional sports. Yeah. I mean, you make 179000 for most of us. That's, that's a good salary. Great, I mean, <laughs> phenomenal money. Yeah. But in sports, you're like, man, that guy must not be good at all. He's probably yeah. in, in double A. Yeah, I mean, if that well, I, that's minor league baseball is maybe one of the still last bastions of places where guys don't make much at all. But I was checking like the practice squad guys in the NFL make a couple hundred grand a year. I mean, these guys, right. I mean, I mean, it's it's wild. Right. And, you know, putting my historian cap on again, and I'm not going to spend too much on this, but I was looking back into this 
you know, and kind of like, okay, so when did, when did professional athletes really start making a lot of money, right? And then, look, there's some figures from the past, your Babe Ruths, you know, your Mickey Mantles, your, your, your true top celebrities, guys who transcended the sport, they made a lot of money back in their day. But the average player, the average professional athlete, most of them were working during the off season and they really didn't have any control over their careers. And there's something, so there's a very famous case known as the Kirk Flood case in 1969, particularly in baseball, to end what was known as the reserve clause. And the reserve clause basically was a clause in all the professional sports contracts, explicitly in baseball, but also in other sports as well, that said that the, the team owns the rights to the player in perpetuity. So there was no such thing as free agency. So if I signed you to a five-year contract and I paid you $15,000, $20,000 a year, at the end of that five-year contract, I could just basically say, you're playing for me again at the same amount. And there was no negotiation. It just, it just happened. And the teams could trade you at will. You had no say in it. Players had no say whatsoever. And Kurt Flood, 1969, gets traded from the Cardinals to the Phillies, Phillies and says, I'm not going. He says the Phillies are a terrible baseball organization. He accused them of racism, which probably wasn't a real shock in 1969, among other things. Right. Eventually goes to the Supreme Court. Kurt Flood ultimately lost the case, but in 1976, Major League Baseball renegotiated uh, their collective bargaining agreement and free agency became the standard. So that at the end of a contract, the player was free to choose whatever team they wanted. And this pretty much happened across almost all major sports in the 70s. In, in the NFL, there was what was known as the Roselle Rule, named after Pete Roselle, which is a similar sort of thing. And it actually, it existed, I checked this out, it existed in European soccer as well until 1995, which is what's known as the Bozeman Ruling, which also was a similar sort of thing. At the end of a contract, player is free to transfer at his own will. So... And not surprisingly, it is about this same time when we start to see the rise in professional athletes' salaries. And to give you an idea, and you know, Dustin and I have both done a little bit of research on this, um, and, and I'll just throw out you know, a couple of One of my favorite stats, Jack Nicklaus. Arguably, I mean, personally, if you ask me who's the greatest golfer of all time, I think I lean to Tiger Woods. But... If it's not Tiger, it's Jack Nicklaus, right? Dustin, where do you think Jack Nicklaus falls on the career earnings list? Career earnings. He won, I think, 78 PGA tournaments, 18 majors. Where does he fall on the career earnings list? I mean, you would think he would be hopefully pretty high because of his talent, ability, what he could do, how much he yep. won. Yep. Um, but when he played, was a much different time mm -hmm. than it is now. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say somewhere in the 90 to 100 range. Well, let me give you this stat. The, uh, the number 200 uh, professional golfer of all time is Lexi Thompson. Lexi Thompson, LPGA player. Her career, she made about $13 million. Jack Nicholas made three million dollars in his professional career. That's insane. And, and now keep this in mind: he won the Masters in 1986, 
right? So we're not only talking, I mean, now, Jack's heyday was the 60s and 70s, right? But 1986, Jack Nicholas wins the Masters. He won for that $144,000 to win the Masters in 86. Tiger Woods won the Masters in 1997. In 1997, 11 years later, he won $486,000. In 2000, he won the Masters again. Three years later, his prize for that was $1,008,000. This, by the way, is the Tiger effect in golf. Prize more than doubles in three years. Oh, by the way, he won it again in 2019. He won $2,070,000 for that win. And this year, John Rahm wins. John Rahm, great golfer, absolutely. Wins the Masters this year. His payout for winning the Masters this year is $3,240,000. That's crazy. John Rahm won more in one tournament, the Masters, great tournament, elite tournament, that Jack Nicholas, oh, by the way, won six times. He won more in that tournament than Nicholas won in his entire career. And to even further put it in perspective, that's six and a half times what it was in 97 when Tiger won his first major or for his first Masters, right? Which was not that long ago. That's not that long ago, right? Let me give you another, and I know I'm sure you've got something here on the NBA, but I went to the NBA. Magic Johnson. What do you think the highest amount Magic Johnson ever made in his career in a single year was? Mm, I'm going to say 1.7 million. Now, he, he made in 88, 89, he made uh, 3.1 million, 3.1 million bucks, right? Okay. Uh, adjusted, adjusted for inflation, that's about 8 million. It's a good year. I mean, eight, I mean nobody's complaining with, with a million. You know how much Steph Curry made this year? <laughs> a lot. I'm going to say somewhere <clears throat> in the 40 range. $48 million. $48 million. Magic Johnson's career earnings were $39 million. Steph Curry this year is making $48 million. He's got to be able to feed his family. Yeah, that's right. Just, just happy to be making it. So I know you, so you did, you did some, some money, money stats, right? What did, what right. did you, what did you find? So what I did is I took five major sports that, you know, we talk about. One, I don't, I have no idea anything about it, which is hockey, but I still have some stats or some money stats on it. Mm -hmm. And what I did is I took the year I was born, 1983, and then mm -hmm. 20 years from that, and then this year, 20 years from that, to see what the average um, a year was for the athlete and that's going to be skewed because your top players are making sure, sure. a lot of money, right? The bottom guys are making the league minimum, but I took what the league minimum was. And then I took the average just to kind of see what that looked like. So in hockey, um, they, I guess it didn't start until about the 1986, 1987, where they actually announced and made public salaries. Hmm. Um, okay. So in 1987, Gretzky, who, as little as I know about hockey, I still think <laughs> would consider him the greatest player of all time. Right. Nickname's the great one. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. 718,000 for the year in 1987. Yeah. yeah, okay. 
in 2003, the average NHL player made 1.8 million. Wow. Average. And then in 2003, the highest paid player was Peter Forsberg, who made 11 million mm-hmm. that year. The yep. average this year is $3 million. Mm-hmm. With the minimum being around 750000 So Gretzky, greatest mm-hmm. player of all time, mm-hmm. 1987 mm-hmm. makes less than the league minimum yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, baseball, 1983. <laughs> baseball. League okay. minimum. Yeah. yeah. Can you take a guess on the league minimum? League minimum in 83? Oh, it's probably 50 grand. I don't even know. I mean, 35. Okay. Yeah. 35,000 with an average of 200. You're a factory worker. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Average of 290,000. In 2003, the the league minimum was 300,000. Yeah. And then average player was making 2.37 million. In 2023, so this year, 720,000 is the league minimum. Wow. With the average of 4.9. So average is almost 5 million. Again, I know it's skewed because, I mean, Verlander's making 43 million, Aaron Judge, 40 million, Otani, 30 million. And let's face it, Otani's going to be making a lot more than anybody else next year. Yeah, yeah. If he he gets healthy. But get this Josh Young, third baseman. For the Texas Rangers, okay. their baseman at, at Texas Tech, go, you yeah. know, wreck them. He is probably going to be Rookie of the Year. Okay. Okay. He made the All-Star. He started on the All-Star team. Mm-hmm. He is getting <laughs> league minimum. Oh, right. $721,485 mm-hmm. because he's a rookie. Right. So, I mean, he played, he played triple-A ball last year, but, you know, coming up. And so, sure, sure. but because of his contract and, and what, you know, sports teams have over, over rookie players, because you don't know what they can do yet. Um, Josh Young, who has made the all-star team, 721000 Yep. Which is still good, don't get me wrong. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the, the, the Rangers, the Rangers did well on that one. Well, Basketball. but, yeah, and. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. go ahead. Yeah. Keep going. No. 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 Go ahead. Yeah. Well, no. I was going to say, you know, one of the big changes, certainly in the NFL, you know, that that probably about ten years ago, was the change in the rookie salary uh, approach, right? Because it used to be, and Sam Bradford was the ultimate cash in on this, right? The last guy who got mm-hmm. paid whatever fifty million dollars as a rookie, some crazy number, you know, and 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 eventually the players were like, look you're paying these guys before they've done anything, you know, why not put them on a lower contract, let them earn it the first three years, and then they can sign for their big contract if they're actually going to turn into something, which is what they've done. And I, I, I can't say that I know quite as much about baseball. I know the real top prospects in baseball get big signing bonuses when they're drafted. Right. Big signing bonuses. Yeah. Now I'm just, yeah. but I think well, I'm just going off of, of yeah. what he made this year. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, NBA in 1983, league minimum was 40,000. Mm-hmm. Average was 246,000. Mm-hmm. 2003, average was 3.8 million. Yeah. And then average now is close to 10 million. Oh. 
with <laughs> Steph. Now Steph made what 48, 48 million last year. I think yeah. he's on pace to be around the fifty two million for this year. That's his cap number. Yeah, there's a little That's whatever cap. wiggle room. Yeah. yeah, yeah. His actual base so. salary is yeah forty eight million, but whatever. Yeah, I mean. What's four million among friends? <laughs> right, exactly. Chump yeah. change. Um, where the league minimum is one point one million. Yeah, which is crazy. I mean, um, I, yeah. I mean, if I had a kid who actually was an athlete and could do it, I mean, basketball is definitely the way to go if you can get there, right? Because the team's so small. I mean, there's so mm-hmm. much money, but you've only got eleven guys on the roster. You know, you, you know, versus the NFL where you've got fifty three. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was. I did. I checked, and this year the NFL salary cap was two hundred and twenty-four million dollars per team, but that's fifty-three players plus you know some injured people and whatever else. Right. So it's it's just it, you know it's spread a lot thinner. But um, okay. All right. So mind-boggling numbers. Right. But now the real question. Yeah. So what? What has money in your in your in your mind, Dustin? What what has money done to the game? Well, it's I mean it's changed it changed it drastically in the mm-hmm. sense that that players are getting unheard of amounts of money. Mm-hmm. But what it's a trickle down effect, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you have families now who are like, oh, we're starting our kid at four years old. Mm-hmm. He is gonna. Focus on sports until he graduates high school. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, he, you know, we're wanting him to get a full ride scholarship to Alabama, mm-hmm. and then from there he's going pro. So we're putting all of our money into him being this this great player. Okay, now, I so- mean, that's not every story, but but what it is, I mean, it, it from an early age you're just told how much money you could possibly make, and I, I know that's not the full gamut of things, but. To me, it just it starts off skewed. So, so let me ask you this, because I, I'm curious, because, you know, so I used to teach high school, right? And I talked to a lot. And I'll, granted, I was teaching at a, a really good school in St. Louis, um, but it wasn't a school that was generally producing, you know, big-time talent. Although we did have a, a really excellent baseball team, actually had a former student, Jacob Turner, drafted number nine overall. Out of high school, you know, like first round, ninth pick, right? Ultimately, didn't his professional career didn't turn out to be what everybody had dreamed about. But, I mean, he got his $5 million signing bonus or whatever. A big signing bonus right out. 18-year-old kid, right? Um, but, but generally speaking, you know, I mean, this wasn't a school people went to because they knew they were going to be the next big thing in sports. And I, I would ask my students, I'm like, how much do you play – because of scholarships, because of the hope of future things. And most of them would were, were like, oh, no, not, I just play because I like to play. And, I mean, I try to believe them. I mean, I, I think for most of them that was probably the case. But you're a parent now. You've got kids in that age where they're starting sports. How many, how many – do you know families that are approaching their sports like that with their kids? I mean, have you had personal experience with that? You do? Okay. Yes. Um, I've, I've met families that – work tirelessly mm-hmm. at getting their kids to play. I mean, even at, mm-hmm. at seven or eight, it's get them into club ball at a young mm-hmm. age, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. travel ball with baseball. Uh, mm-hmm. I even know a family that does travel ball football, um, mm. which wow. is, is crazy. Had yeah. a, 
coaching, you know, my son, it's like, man, we just want to hopefully get a goal in the backyard for him. Mm-hmm. But had a kid on our team that was traveling six hours to play flag football, and he was seven years old. Wow. Wow. To play in tournaments. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it is something that is going that direction. Now, I know parents that I've talked to jokingly will be like, yeah, my, my kid's going to go pro, so that way I can – you know, live with him when, when that time comes. But yep. that amount of money is what kind of opens the eyes to, hey, go this direction. Yeah. Um, and it's not always the case. I understand that. But I think it does play a part. Yeah, no, and, and I wouldn't disagree with you. I mean, you know, my kids are now all in their 20s, and so we kind of live through the sports thing. And <clears throat> our kids were – none of our kids really had the mentality to really want to go be – a great athlete. I mean, they like to play. Uh, frankly, my son, we had to kind of make him go play, but he liked to play once he got out there. Um, but then, you know, none of them really had, it, it wasn't the passion. None of them were, you know, sports kids, but uh, we have some good friends who, I mean, we used to joke because they'd have like, they've got four kids and they would have seven, eight, nine games a weekend. And that was just average, right? And that was when their kids were young, before they started doing traveling and stuff. Um, and I mean, I, I, I worked with a guy who his daughter was a really top-notch soccer player and was highly recruited and they did all the traveling, they did all this. It came down to it, she got offered a D1 full-ride scholarship and she said, I don't wanna play. <laughs> she said, I don't oh, wanna absolutely. do it. And I mean, her dad, he was a nice guy, but he was telling me the story, and let's just say I cannot repeat on this podcast, on some podcasts I could, not this podcast where we keep it above board, all clean, all clean here. But um, okay. yeah, he he was not happy. And and while I, I think, you know, most parents that I know um, are realist enough to understand the small percentage of people who actually make it to professional sports, but I think there is, you know, it's that, oh, we could, hey, we could get college paid for. And of course, now with the name, image, and license thing, who knows, right? That can even turn into not just getting college paid for, but like actual lucrative business, especially when you connect oh, it with social media, right? Because I was reading something on this, like one of the first big name, image, and license people were these twin, twin sisters who played volleyball, I think, basketball or volleyball for a school. I can't remember. I should know the details more than this, but I was reading a ton of different things about this. And they had tons and tons of social media followers, and all of a sudden... I don't know how they did it, but they monetized their social media into well over a million dollars. And it's crazy. And I, and I think for me, I mean, obviously, most professional sports salaries are driven by television, right? It's the television mm-hmm. contracts that are just, you know, millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars for the NFL. That all of a sudden now these leagues just have more money then, you know, anybody, you know, could know what to do with. I mean, hey, you, you got to pay. I mean, it's, it's because of the players, right? You have to pay the players. But by the same token, I mean, I was looking at, you know, Forbes posted, you know, the, 50, the world's 50 most valuable sports teams. And, um, I mean, the numbers are mind-boggling. Um, you know, the, the, the most valuable professional sports franchise per Forbes uh, or the Dallas Cowboys at eight billion dollars, worth eight billion dollars, and Jerry Jones bought them in 1989 for 150 million. 
And they were America's team in 1989, right? Mm-hmm. $150 million to $8 billion. The, the average net worth of the top 50 professional sports teams is over $4 billion. So it's, it's just mind-boggling. And I think, while, hey, you know, look, if, you're, if you can do it, I mean, if you can play NFL quarterback, right? Uh, we've talked about it. Apparently, we can't find 32 guys in the world who can really do this well, right? So it tells you how hard it is, how rare it is, how much skill and talent and strength and all the stuff that it takes to be a great athlete to do it. You have, sure, you deserve to be rewarded because you're putting on a product that the world is consuming and paying a ton of money to consume. So fair enough. But the trickle down and the change in college sports, youth sports is to me the thing that has really changed. Well, and kind of like you said, going back to the NIL stuff, I mean, Quinn Ewers, who is a starting quarterback at Texas Mm -hmm. right now, when he graduated high school, got a million-dollar NIL deal. He goes to mm-hmm. Ohio State, doesn't play a down, mm-hmm. still, ha- still has a million dollars. He's like, yeah, I'm just going to go back and play at UT. Hello, transfer So then he portal. plays last year. Yep, exactly. He, he goes and plays last year, and then this year comes in, and now they've got Arch Manning as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, they've got, they've got guys, but it's just crazy how much – money is getting put into and especially in college sports mm-hmm. how much money the schools are banking on the kids the mm-hmm. sport i mean it, it it has become something that um i mean people are just hand over fist when it comes to money especially mm-hmm. these schools um and then the schools get it and they're like well what's the next big thing we got to do we got to build bigger and better facilities we got to mm-hmm. do this for the student athletes we've got to do this and then it's like okay we're going to bring you in to come look at our new 25 million dollar field mm-hmm. gym whatever and then oh yeah while you're here you'll get to be here but we'll also get some NIL deals for you as well so i mean right. the money is just just ludicrous right now yeah and it, and it really is it really is changing the nature of the competition right i mean it's and and like in, in the the nal thing specifically uh at these big colleges they have what are called collectives right and the collectives are essentially part of the boosters organization right but these and again these collectives you know it's a bunch of rich people or a bunch of big donors put together the money and they can't just say oh yeah come play for us and we'll give you you know, $500,000, but they'll basically say, oh, if you will come here, we'll connect you with, you know, Jimmy Dean's car dealership down here in West Texas, although he sells sausage, I guess. But anyway, right? And Close. and we're going to, and you, you advertise his car dealership, and oh, look at that, here's $300,000, right? And so now you have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just a whole nother level, and you're like, well, is it recruiting? I mean... Legally, at this point, no, right? Because that would be illegal. But that's what's happening. And, and then it, it trickles down. And I mean, I, I love to tell this story because I, you know, I was a kid. I started playing baseball when I was 10, 11 years old. And we had a kid on our team who played in jeans, right? <laughs> he played in jeans. Half the kids didn't have cleats. I used my brother's baseball glove, which 
the you know the webbing was tearing apart. And by the way, I didn't live in some like you know awful, terrible you know poor as can be inner city. I mean, we were middle class kids growing up, but it was like, ah, eh, your glove's fine. And I would literally have to like tie the glove together when I played. You know, and we played, and yeah, I, you know, I sure. I mean, I had cleats. Yes, I wore baseball pants. Right, I sprung the twenty bucks to play or whatever. I'll never forget. I take my daughter. You know, seven years old. She signs up for softball. We go to sign up, and they're like, "Okay, well, it's one hundred and fifty dollars just to play, and then you got to buy the outfit. You know, that outfit, right? The uniform. Oh, and by the way, parents, you have to serve twelve hours in the snack bar." <laughs> during the season or pay 150 and i'm like what the what in the world i mean like seven-year-old softball and it was setting us setting us back almost 500 bucks a year for one mm-hmm. season of of kids softball and i'm like right what what are we doing here what are we doing right and the, and and half the time they're in the outfield looking around at what's going on on the other side of the fence Oh, the highlight of the year. The highlight of the year was the time when the girl on the other team hit a pop-up to the infielder and the third baseman caught it. She caught it. Oh, nice. I mean, because you hit a ground ball to third base, you're on. There's no chance that the third baseman could get it and make the throw. And even if they did make the throw, the first baseman wasn't catching it, right? So, right. yeah. And, and this is just the start, right? And the industry of youth sports is just extraordinary. Just extraordinary how expensive right. it is and how much money is spent. And uh, I, 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 I can't help but think it's only tied to more and more of the celebrity culture around professional sports, the lure of the stardom and the fame that, yeah, sure, it's been there. I mean, it's not like this is new in the last decade, but it's just gotten bigger and bigger. You know, the ability of everybody to market themselves with social media and, and all these things. tie that in to what we've kind of talked about is now like you stated it's all business right all business so you've got you've got to stay healthy Mm -hmm. because the team is putting so much money into you Mm -hmm. you've got to stay healthy you've got to stay fit you've got to stay at the top of your game where back in the day you didn't have to do that as much now, hold on a minute. So you're telling me that these guys, after they come out and they play an NBA game, they don't all go to the bar and throw back three or four beers at the end of the night? That's what you're telling me? I, I mean, I think in City League, yeah, absolutely. You know, <laughs> four, 40 and up, absolutely. But uh, And, I mean, I'm sure that these guys are going out, having fun, doing all that. But, I mean, with it being a business, I, I think a lot of times it's monitored more than we think it is. Um, Oh, I have no doubt. Yeah, I mean, if you're in D4 sports, right? If you're in D4 sports, I mean, you better believe. I mean, the highlight of the game is going to the bar afterward, right? And reliving the the gory details. I'll go play pickup games with with a bunch of older guys. And then afterwards, or actually halfway through the night, it's like, where are we going after this? (laughs) We're still going to play three more games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But where are we going? (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) I'm going to play golf tomorrow in in a... you know, like uh, one of these fundraiser tournaments by one of the companies that my company works for and uh, or supports. And, uh, you know, we're going to go play golf all day. And then afterward, it'll be dinner. And, you know, and it's it's I'm really curious. I this is my first one in England. So I'm, I'm curious to see how often the cart lady comes around and 
and uh, how much is consumed in the pub afterward, um, you know, before the dinner. I, I, I don't really know. I think one of the, the craziest times I've had was playing in a in a tournament where at the beginning of each hole there was a different drink, like mm. a like a station, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I I can't remember what, but I think every odd hole may have been sample some liquor, and then every even hole was here's some beer, um, wow. and you you pay to play in the tournament, and then you, you play about. 13 holes that you remember playing. And then I think you finish out with the next, next several holes that you don't remember playing kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I know what that, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, like. and I, I played in a couple of these and there was one I was playing in and you know, it was a scramble, right? So we get there and we ended up paired with, I, there was this guy that I worked with and he could hit the ball a mile. It just typically never was anywhere approaching straight. So you know, when he did actually hit it straight, that was great. But, you know, and then we got paired with these two ladies who I think one of them had played golf once and one of them had never played. And so it was like, okay, well, we have no chance here, right? I mean, this is, you know, there's there's no way, right? I mean, there's 50 teams here. Somebody's going to shoot 18, 19 under. We're going to be lucky to break par. So the margarita bar was calling my name, you know, and... And I wasn't shy, you know, and, and, you know, they had the drinks on the course. And I'm telling you, by the 10th or 12th hole, I was still playing, but no memory. And not like I blacked out drunk, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, it was like, right. I mean, it was, it was the, and, and even better. And, and I have not done one of these, but my, my brother told me about, he played in what was called the Coors Light Unopened, um, where every player at the beginning of the round was given 18 beers and, Every one that you came back with that wasn't empty was one stroke added to your score. Oh, so, wow. so, and I was actually reading that this is actually not, not all that uncommon in let's shall we say certain golf circles, right? So Absolutely. that, yeah. So you know, but my only problem with that is, I mean, honestly, it can get dangerous on the golf course <laughs> because you're firing projectiles at high speed, and if you don't know where they go, and anyway. But, Which is impressive for um, the the caliber of play that John Daly. Um, oh, I mean, exemplified. He he might be he might be a D four, uh, top of the line D four uh, Hall of Fame inductee at some point. Could you imagine if we got him on the show? That that would be something. <laughs> but man, anybody, I mean, if anybody knows John Daly, <laughs> tell him about our podcast because I can't imagine he would be like, no, not do. I mean, he probably wouldn't. But you know. I mean, John, he's still, he's all over social media out there, still just showing up with oh, yeah. guys, doing crazy stuff. But but to be fair, that was John, I mean, and I, I, well, I don't know if he was quite as extreme when he was actually playing on tour, but I've heard a lot of stories about the things that John Daly did while he was playing on tour. And, and, and not just him, I mean, some of the other guys, Fuzzy Zeller, Fuzzy Zeller had some moments, great player, but that guy, and, but, you know, but kind of back to, you know, how we tied this all thing there, together. There's actually probably like eight drinks named after that. I mean, Fuzzy <laughs> Zeller is a great drink name. <laughs> that is, <laughs> he might be a, D, he might be a candidate for the D4 Hall of Fame, Fuzzy Zeller. But you had guys with the nickname, the Walrus, you know, back in playing golf back in the eighties. Right. And you had Lumpy. One of was another guy's nickname was just Lumpy. And then what happened? Tiger Woods shows up. 
right? And Tiger Woods shows up, and he, when he first started playing, he was, I don't know, 112 pounds, you know, and whatever. But Tiger Woods all of a sudden starts, like, bringing fitness into the game. Starts lifting yeah. weights. What? I, what the? Come on, man. You know, who do you think you Sports. are? I am. You know? Regimented, going to work out. Yeah, it, it, it did change All of a sudden, sure. an athlete coming into golf, and not to say, hey, look, anybody who wants to say that golfers aren't athletes, if you can go out and swing a club, anything like a pro, and do it 100 times a day, you tell me how your back's going to feel after that. Because I can tell you it's, it's a lot more work than you think. Because those guys aren't just, you know, out there lazily swinging the club. But all that to say, the professional golfer of today is an athlete. They're in the gym. They're working out. They're exercising. And you go back and you look at the guys who played in the 70s and 80s. These guys were not peak athletes, right? But it, it's, not just, it's not just them. Oh, well, and... and you know, I was going to say, you could say that for several sports. I mean, you do have guys that were at the, 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 the peak, right? So yeah. you, you do have Reggie White. I mean, yeah. he was peak performer. Sure. And then you have guys like Sebastian Janikowski. Yeah, oh, right? yeah. You've got, yeah. Absolutely. You've got a great kicker for the, the Oakland Raiders. And uh, he probably what? opened a few cans on the sideline yeah, <laughs> during well, games. <laughs> Well, and, and we joke about that, but I mean, that's that's literally the stories of baseball, you know, back in the 50s, 60s, even into the 80s. Guys drinking in, in the, the clubhouse. clubhouse between innings. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, I Jack Nicholas, you know, smoking on the golf course. And there was one, I mean, he kind of famously got caught and like, tried to make sure that it never got shown again. But these guys would, you know, they'd be smoking on the golf course. And I was telling you earlier about Angel Cabrera, right? Masters champion, smoking his cigar on the golf course while he's playing. Never mind that he just did a few years in jail. That's another side note that we might dive into at some point. Ah, whatever, you know. But the days of the, I mean, the babe, the babe, Babe Ruth, pounding hot dogs, drinking beers. These guys. Peak performance athletes. The, ce- the celebrity lifestyles, you know, you go back to the Will Chamberlain bragging about how many women he had and the parties that were thrown and all of this stuff and Look, I mean, it's not like these guys don't do this anymore, but it's no longer the hallmark of their game, right? Because as you said, it's all about peak performance. It's maximizing everything. It's data-driven. It's measuring, you know, your heart rate and, you know, what uh, your heart rate variability and all these, you know, these stats about how, how long can you actually play and still maintain this peak performance and analytics and all this stuff. And, man, back in the day, we'd get out there and you'd just play. I think the craziest story I've heard that would maybe be the most recent, and it wasn't even that recent, would be Dennis Rodman. When oh, and, yeah. and the story is on the last dance. Yeah, um, it is. <laughs> he he just kind of gets fed up mid season, and he's like, "Man, I got I got to go do something." So he goes to Vegas for a three day bender. They can't find him, can't get a hold of him. Finally, Jordan's like, "All right, I'm flying out to Vegas. I'm going to get him." Basically, wake him up and say, "We're going back to Chicago." And somehow gets them out there. Well, then they do this drill where it's this running drill, right? Where the guy at the back has to run to the front. Well, the idea is the guy at the front is to kind of lollygag somewhat so that the guy in the back can kind of catch up. Well, Rodman gets to the front of this thing and then just takes off. (laughs) I mean, he's probably, you know, 
still three sheets to the wind, mm-hmm. but nobody can catch him. And so right. <laughs> they just get so irritated with him. But all that to say, he just comes off a, a, a three-day bender in Vegas where you don't hear of that anymore mid-season because it's no. – you got to stay at this level, right? Right. And that's not to say they're after games, going home, having a few drinks, sitting down with their friends, watching some of the rest of the season, the games on that night or whatever. But it's not this high-level partying every single night. Or or if it is, they keep it real quiet, right? I mean – Oh, you, right, right. You see guys get in trouble in the offseason, right? And I it probably hasn't happened in a while, but – you know, plenty of times, guys, the week of the Super Bowl, right? They're down at the Super Bowl and they out, they're getting caught, you know, with stuff. But yeah, or, you know, and, and you watch the, you know, the the uh, championship parades and stuff, and these guys out there, and some of them are just just hammered, right? Just because mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they just they just made it, right? I mean, they just achieved the lifetime goal, and so they're going out and partying to the extreme. But yeah, no, it's um. It's just wild. And look, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and advocate and say, hey, kids, if you want to be an athlete, make sure you get your drinking game on early. You know, that's not, that's not my point, right? Because obviously fitness is important. Health is important. But it just, again, it, it, marks, it marks the difference between sports as leisure activity, entertainment, and yeah, business versus today sports being business, multi-billion dollar business. And these companies are basically like, we're paying you tens of millions of dollars. You can't go out there and, you know, throw it away on booze or smoking or whatever, right? And, and what's that line you always hear? Well, it was a business. I got to understand this is a business. That's right. And, and, it, and it truly is. It's not just a saying anymore where it used to be, eh, it's just a business. Now it's literally, that's all it is. You're just part of the equation for them. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, last call. <clears throat> time to time to time to bring this one home. You got a uh, you got a good last call for me, Dustin. Um, I think I just want to ask you a question. You know, with the football season right around the corner and I mean right around the corner you mm-hmm. know, two days from now yep. um, and with us doing DraftKings and, and things like that I know you already gave me Jamal Williams for mm-hmm. your week one workhorse let's go with your week one surprise and then underperformer so those two so surprise you mean like in real football or fantasy football uh, fantasy. Since we're doing DK, that's kind of the route we'll go. Ooh, week one surprise. Oh. Um. So, okay. I, week one, and I, I mean, I'm, I'm okay. You're probably going to say this is going to be a push it to be a bit of a surprise, but I don't think he's really, I don't think he's really favored to be kind of the guy you have to draft this week. And I'm going to go with Debo Samuel. I think Debo Samuel could have a really big week. Um, I think the yeah. Niners, though, I, though, you know, I've gone on record saying I think the Steelers are going to have a good season. I think, frankly, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Steelers managed to sneak, squeak this win out, but I'm going to, I'm not going to make that prediction. But I just think, I, I, I think Debo's going to be one of these guys that 
I think he's going to have a week. Um, I, I think I think it could be it could be a good one for him. Um, underperforming. Derrick Henry. Okay. Derrick Henry. I don't think. I don't think they. I don't. I don't know. I just don't. I don't know. I don't. I, I'm not a believer in the Titans' offense enough to be able to think that it, it's going to. I think. I think they're going to. They're going to have the box loaded against them, and I think. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a slog. All right. Those are two. I mean, there's so many. There's so many, but I'm going to go with those two. All right. So, okay, I got two. Number one, did you see the play in the Giants? I think it was, I think they were playing the Padres. I got to say, Major League Baseball, I don't know what you're doing with your uniforms, but I look at these clips now, and I don't even know what team's playing because they've all gone the Oregon Ducks route where <laughs> they don't even have their team colors anymore. But the Giants, did you see this play? The Giants throwing out the guy at home plate. So, and I think they're playing the Padres. I did. Guy see steals. This. Guy steals second base. Giants catcher comes up throwing, misses the the I think shortstop covering to the third base side of the bag by oh, eight feet. A good way. Right. Throws yeah. throws it way past him. So he gets up and he takes off. Runner keeps going. Center fielder gets the ball, throws it to the third baseman. <laughs> I mean, that's a loose phrase, throwing it to the third baseman, because he missed the third baseman by 30 feet. Not even close. I was going to say, I don't even think the third baseman tried to get the ball. No, I mean, he, he, there was no way. He missed, he threw it 15, 20 feet to the pitcher's mound side of third base. It goes out there. The, the third baseman turns around and runs. You see him run out of camera, and the ball hits something. The Dugout. It was like almost the top of the dugout. The ball, <laughs> something. It bounces back right to the catcher who makes the play at the plate and gets He's him out. <laughs> basically standing on the third baseline right by home plate. Yeah, just turn around going like, where's the ball? And all of a sudden the ball comes rolling right right to him. Like you couldn't have handed it to him any The better. guy running's face was like, you have and he, got he, to be kidding me. He just stopped because it was like, what? Because he was out by... 15 feet. It was, it was a crazy play. It, it, Planned. They I, worked on it. Oh, yeah. Just like they drew it up. I mean, <laughs> well, I, don't even, I don't know how you'd score that because that, that's got to be an error on the catcher. It's got to be an error on the center fielder. So I, I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know how you'd score that. Uh, for those of you scoring at home, we have no idea. But um, that was a good one. And that's one. usually the case. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I, I don't. I used well, we used to go to baseball kids games as a kid. My mom used to keep score. She'd sit there with the program and she'd actually, she knew how to actually do it. And for some reason she liked to, and I was like, I don't understand what you're doing, but she would. I just meant with everything we talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, moving forward. So as the internet still occasionally does to me, I got drugged down a rabbit hole this week. I saw, no, I know hard to imagine, but (laughs) I saw something about a, a, a track and field record being broken, and, I, and it was it was something. It was the 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 women's four hundred meter hurdles, and I, I should remember her name, the girl who's the world record holder. Just a really really impressive. And and and, and then I was like, oh, I want to I want to see a little more about this because I remember growing up. I remember Edwin Moses was like he kind of like redefined the the sport of the four hundred meter hurdles. He had like his own certain like step technique, and I mean I don't know anything about running, but. And track and field, but 
he was great. And, you know, I thought, oh, he had one of the longest standing records. And I see, uh, you know, that the longest standing track and field record is like the women's 800 meters that goes back to 1983. Um, it's like a 40-year-old track and field record. It's the longest standing record. <laughs> but that's not even where I'm going with this because <clears throat> I, don't even, I don't know where I saw it, but it was like linked off of some web page that I found that was the world record for motionlessness. Motionlessness. Standing absolutely still for as long as you possibly can. No breaks allowed of any type. The only, the only movement that can be visible is blinking of the eyes and normal breathing, right? So like you can't- Was be... it Aaron Rodgers in a black <laughs> room? <laughs> Nobody would know because you can't you can't you can't see it, right? You, even if you had a camera, <laughs> oh, okay. you'd be able to you're see right, it. You're right. My bad. My bad. <clears throat> World record for motionlessness, and I thought to myself, I mean, this is as D four as it gets, right? I mean, this is you set the world record for not moving, for laziness. D Dustin, well, if you really think about it, I don't think it's lazy at all. I mean, because well, no, because you've got to have some, you know, got to be standing up. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I couldn't, there's no, I wouldn't make five minutes without moving. But what do you think the world record for motionlessness is? No breaks, no bathroom breaks, no food breaks, nothing. 30 hours. <laughs> You're exactly right. 30 hours and 12 minutes. No 30 way. Hour, <laughs> <laughs> 30 hours and 12 minutes. Of motionlessness, and I, I, I they had some to have Indian, been in the military at some, some point. Some Indian guy, I, I mean, and you know, and it's like, Goodness well, and, gracious. yeah, I mean, and they they do let you use a stick, so I guess you could either lean on it, or, but you, I mean, I don't even know if that would be better. I, I just, I can't even. I'm thinking about trying just to see how long I can actually stand without moving, but I, 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 I wouldn't make it five minutes. I don't. I'd not moving. At something, something would itch. <laughs> something <laughs> would, something would cramp. I mean. 30 hours, Dustin. 30 Especially hours. Especially at our age, something, something would cramp five oh, minutes in. I'd pull a muscle. <laughs> right? How'd you pull the muscle? Motionlessness. Motionlessness. That's my, new, that's my new goal. All right. You got anything else? No, sir. All right. Well, hey, you're going on vacation. <clears throat> Celebrating a birthday that you kind of gave away earlier in the show, so I guess I don't feel bad saying it. Happy 40th right. to you and your son also. I appreciate it. Son just yep. turned seven. Son right? seven, daughter's turning 13, so we're yep. just doing a family vacation. And you're disney it up, right? Just like all the championship winners, we're going to Disneyland. Love the mouse. Love the mouse. Well, have a great time. We'll have our first guest next week on D4 Sports. Until next time, live D4. Adios. D4 Sports is brought to you by Don and Dustin and by our sponsors, Sports and Day Drinking. Special thanks go to Trey Klein for providing the music behind D4 and all our friends and family for supporting us throughout this episode.